houses wherein men have lived and died are haunted houses. Through the open doors, the harmless phantoms on their errands glide with feet that make no sound upon the floors. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Greetings, creeps, and welcome to my podcast, This House is Haunted. Over the next several weeks, I'll be sharing my personal experience of having spent two years in a haunted house in eastern Kentucky. Due to the spooky nature of this podcast, I recommend you keep the young'uns under 13 out of the room while I take you into a world filled with things that go bump in the night. Winter passed slowly in the holler for the lady. Christmas had come and gone with another visit from her family, who'd been snowed in with her for well on three weeks now. Several aunts and uncles, her parents and sister, as well as some tiny cousins, had filled her house to the bursting with cheer, warmth, and comfort. The thing in the mountain had not pressed any closer during these cold months. When the mountain was left unbothered by that of man or beast who all trembled in their homes, hiding from the fury of the unpredictable Kentucky winters. They had greeted a new year together, drinking mulled cider that the lady had made herself and baking hand pies from the stores of apples that she gathered the previous fall. The songs her grandmother had brought to this country from her homeland of Ireland were sang with much cheer and vigor, partly in thanks to the spirits added to that mulled cider. And the lady felt true happiness for the first time since her beloved had been called on to his next great adventure. With the house full of love, she almost forgot about the thing in the mountain with its bound body covered in marked flags, the way it had radiated emptiness, rage, despair, and fury all at once, the way it had pulled her from her cozy home into its pit in the mountain. Yes, she had almost forgotten. Her sister had been particularly keen on keeping an eye on her since she had shared what had happened during Thanksgiving and finding herself in a cave with the bound thing and she was once again encouraged to leave this place, to go home where she had her kin and a safe place to live out her life free of the horror of the mountain, but the lady insisted that she stay. The people of this town had no idea what was slowly making its way towards them, and it wasn't the kind of thing that you could easily bring up in polite conversation at the post office. One word about the thing in the mountain to the wrong person, and she was certain she'd be on the next wagon to the Central State Lunatic Asylum. No, this was something she would figure out on her own, something she felt called to do after her husband's death. Her family believed fully in the kind of justice that demands an eye for an eye, and in this case, her husband's death called for that thing to pay in kind. No, she would not be leaving this mountain until she knew she had justice, and she had sent that monster back to whatever primordial hellscape it had clawed its way up from. The lady made a habit of checking her wards each morning before feeding her livestock, not daring to let her guard down in spite of the quiet of the mountain during the winter. The ground was never disturbed, and she could feel the hum of the protection they offered 
pressed into her as she walked the perimeter. She was safe. Her family was safe. The wards were holding. She shuddered at the memory of the bound form rolling blindly towards her in the dark cave. Whatever it was, it had been contained there prior to the mining company moving in, and it was steadily working itself free of that mountain, that much she had seen during their short exchange. She knew in her heart it had been responsible for the mining collapse that had claimed her husband. She knew it had fed on the desperation and fear of the people of Nippa. Knew it was biding its time before it brought ruination upon everything and everyone in its path. Her sister's firm, strong voice carried over from the porch. I reckon things are just fine, sister. I ain't felt a thing the whole time we've been here, and Lord knows I had my guard up after you told me about that cave. The lady was startled out of her reverie and lifted a hand up to shield herself from the sun that was shining cheerfully on this cold January morning. Better safe than sorry, the lady called back as she picked up her basket to gather some eggs for breakfast. Amen to that. Here, her sister wrapped her woolen coat more tightly around her, cinching it with a belt of the same material. She took the britches her daddy only recently came to terms with her wearing during choring into the rubber boots that were lined up with the other shoes on the patio. As she stepped into the front yard, a howling wind whipped up her coat and the sun was hidden behind some low, dark clouds. Looks like that snow daddy said was on the way has finally decided to make an appearance. I was beginning to think this part of Kentucky was going to skip winter altogether. Here, her sister stopped abruptly, the hint of a grin dying slowly on her lips. What in the... There. She felt it. An unsettling feeling crept across her body. Goosebumps ran like lightning bolts down one arm and up the other. The lady dropped her empty egg basket and fell to one knee as the wind whipped the large woolen hat off her head. As her hand touched the earth, she felt the hum of her ward sing, and a deep pressure developed between her eyes where many a gifted woman felt what was referred to as the third, all-seeing eye, the one that helped see between worlds. She fought the urge to cry out, but sat there for several seconds, her gloved hand pressed into the dirt. She closed her eyes more tightly and whispered, See what is. See what comes. This simple incantation was enough to push back the pressure in her head, and it was then that she could smell the cold, mildewy dampness that she had experienced in the cave in the mountain. She waited to be pulled into the yawning maw of that cave, much like she had been in her sleep, but nothing happened. Still focusing, she used her sight to connect her with her land, and really see what had caused all this upset. She could feel the life still teeming on her property, much like she had that first day. She could feel the life still teeming on her property. A flock of deer stripping saprich bark from the maple trees. Squirrels dancing through the tree limbs, hoping to find a few more morsels to stow away while the weather held out. 
den of foxes curled up tightly together, dreaming of spring and chasing rabbits. All the things that brought her comfort on this mountain. She tentatively cycled through beings closer to the cave, but only one single crow was stationed in a tree outside of the entrance. It seemed to be waiting there for her, and she could feel its desire to fly away from this place, but it had a purpose. It was meant to be her eyes so that she might see. Peering deeply into the cave, she could see the thing lying still and cold in the darkness, its torso and limbs twisted in angles that couldn't possibly be comfortable. Great jutting bones covered in muck and mire. The bird stood stock still as she watched, but the thing did not make a move. Was it dead? Was it sleeping? The crow's head cocked to and fro as she searched for signs of life. When the head of the thing turned abruptly, its face still cavernous with its absence of eyes, and noticed for the first time that its mouth appeared as a torn gash, set much too wide in its narrow face. Thick, black, knotted hair was strewn about its jaw and trailed down half the length of its body. The crow, growing fearful at this vision, let out a squawk that sounded impossibly loud in this quiet place. The lady, miles away in her physical form, felt her own body tighten like that of a rabbit who realizes the fox has its scent. A chittering sound erupted from the jagged, teeth-lined mouth of the thing in the mountain, but it did not move. The sound was harsh and grating and echoed all through the cave before billowing out and down the mountain. The crow no longer content to be her vessel, took flight, and the last vision she saw through its eyes was the thing in the mountain grinning sadistically towards her. It knew she was there. It wanted her to see it there, patient and calm in the dark of the cave. She sensed it was rooting down, drawing its power around it, but not using it. It was waiting waiting like it had done before she came, before it had felt the presence of her gift. It knew she was watching. It had led her straight to it. She heard her sister now only a few feet from her, gasped audibly and wheeled herself to open her eyes and see what had caused her dismay. Her sister's eyes were wide and staring directly behind her. Before turning, the lady heard what sounded like the flapping of a hundred wings moving down the mountain. What in blue blazes? She turned quickly now, squinting through the dense orchard of barren trees and saw. Was that? More crows than she'd ever seen in her life were moving like a shadow, a thick black shadow, down the side of the mountain. There had to be well on 200 of them if there was one, and they were moving with the conviction of a flock that's greatest fear was just behind them. Her eyes never leaving the flock, she stood there realizing they were flying directly towards her. Suddenly, her sister was beside her, pulling her arm and shouting, What are you waiting for, them to pluck your dang eyes out? Get your tail moving now! 
and she led the lady towards the covered front porch. They were close now, so close that they blocked out any light, making a night sky in the early morning hours. They were flying low, as if being pressed downward, and the lady stared as they turned precisely away from the place where she had placed her first protection jar. They were dropping what looked like tiny bits of something on the ground as they flew, eerily quiet aside from the flapping of their many wings. She and her sister stood pressed together under the porch as they watched the birds circle the entire line of protection jars she had placed around her home, all the while still dropping little pieces of something as they flew. Once they had made their way to the front of the house, they all lighted in trees and sat stock still, staring directly at the lady and her sister. There was a soft creaking of the tree limbs as they adjusted to the added weight of the birds. But the birds themselves made no sound as they watched the two women with rapt attention. If someone had described this to them, they would have thought it impossible for a flock to act in such unison. Not one feather ruffled, not one chirp or sound left their sharp blackened beaks. Ain't nobody gonna believe this, her sister muttered as she continued locking eyes with the birds. Hell, I don't believe this and I'm seeing it myself. They continued standing like this for several seconds, the lady trying to connect with one of the birds to see what their intention was when her sister said, I believe I've had about enough of this bullying for one day. Here she walked to the edge of the porch and spoke in a firm, full voice. You've had your fun, but you ain't welcome here, Shadow. She raised her arms high over her head and said, By the power of three, so mote it be. By the power of three, this curse will no longer be. All while clapping her hands three times loudly. The sound seemed to startle the birds, who all shook before lifting from the trees and bumping into one another as they flew away in frenzy and terror. Loud squawking sounds rose up from them and the feathers were littering the ground along the tiny scraps they had dropped along the ward lines. After a few seconds, they'd all dispersed, and the only evidence that they'd been there at all was the feathers, the bits they had dropped, and the ashen skin of both sisters. The lady walked up to her sister and patted her arm. Thank you for that. You always did have the louder mouth. Raising an eyebrow, her sister turned and said, Comes in handy in times like this. The lady nodded, a shaky smile gracing her lips. It certainly does, she said, while walking cautiously down the porch steps. Her sister followed close behind her, and the two made their way to the closest ward line. Kneeling down, her sister picked up a crow feather and said, This'll look mighty fine in my hunting hat. And she tucked it carefully into the pocket of her gray woolen coat. The lady was too focused on the bits of scrap fabric the crows had dropped all along her wards. Her mouth grew dry and her hands trembled as she reached forward to lift one up for closer inspection. There, in the middle of her gloved hand, was a bit of what looked to be burlap, nothing special of its own accord. 
but on that piece of fabric was a hastily drawn outline of a bear. It was faded and the fabric was badly frayed, but it was still easy enough to tell what the subject was. She dropped it onto the ground as if it was something that might sting her if she held it any longer. Her sister looked at it as it fell, but did not reach out immediately to pick it back up. She watched the lady's face as she pursed her lips as if tasting something bad. I'm gonna guess that your unwelcome squatter in the cave had something to do with this. The lady nodded, surveying the hundreds of tattered pieces of fabric strewn all around her home. Her sister continued, I'm also gonna guess that this was a little reminder that you ain't the only powerful thing living on this mountain. The lady found her voice and responded, Right again. Her sister huffed, stood and walked towards the fallen egg basket, which she dusted off and carried back to the ward line. Here she knelt, scrunched up her nose like she was about to touch something very distasteful, and picked up a handful of the fabric, tossing it into the basket. The lady shook her head, the fear she felt ebbing away, which was slowly being replaced with anger. It had tested her wards. It hadn't even lifted a finger, but had riled her up something awful. And it had done so while her family was sleeping in her home. It had done so in front of her sister on the morning before they left to go back home. It was reminding her she would never be alone on this mountain. Not really, and not in the way that she preferred. And she seethed with anger. It had taken her husband. It had taken her peace of mind. But by God, it would not be harming another soul in her family. Come hell or high water, she was going to make this thing pay. She stood now with her hands on her hips, surveying what needed cleaning and then bent to join her sister in picking up the calling cards that had dumped all around her home. Her sister laughed beside her which was almost as surprising as seeing a few hundred birds beelining down the mountain towards them. What could she possibly be laughing at? Laughing more loudly now, her sister slapped her back and said, I was waiting for you to clench that jaw. I've seen that many a time before you hauled off and walloped somebody who done went and pissed you off. The fear, I understand, that thing is old. Maybe older than the mountain itself. They stood to move over to another patch that needed some picking up. But somebody tucked it into that mountain, and these, she lifted a bit of fabric with a hawk drawn on it, were a part of its binding it's managed to shake off, I reckon. The strength of her voice returned, and the lady replied, Yes, I saw those tied around the many ropes that were tied around it. Well, no wonder they stink to high heavens and feel even worse than they smell. Her sister wrinkled her nose again, crossing her eyes for effect. The lady laughed, and her sister pushed her shoulder into the ladies. We're going to need some black salt, some sage, a great heap and fire to rid ourselves of these and the spook stink they carry. I reckon burning them with some of those hawthorn bundles I saw around back will do nicely to add to your protections. The lady nodded and the two women worked for the next hour, picking up the feathers and fabric that had been left behind. 
Once they had stoked what seemed to be an appropriately sized fire that they had fed with three bundles of hawthorn, better safe than sorry, and created a circle of protection around it with the black salt, they then dumped the basket's contents into the flame. The lady then tossed in several handfuls of sage she had dried herself the previous fall. A thick black smoke rose for several seconds, but once the sisters joined hands, it dissipated into the wind. They stood there several minutes until you could no longer see the outline of the feathers. The lady was the one who broke the silence, saying, You think you can make it back by March? I reckon we have until spring to get things ready to give this thing one hell of a wake-up call. Her sister nodded solemnly with the hint of a grin touching her lips. Sister, I thought you'd never ask. Well, hello there, creeps. Welcome to the hills and hollers of eastern Kentucky. First and foremost, thanks for hanging in there with me while I dealt with grief, COVID, and then the overwhelming fear of picking a project back up after not being around for a few months. I can't say how grateful I am to the folks who reached out with encouraging words during that unintentional break. In the coming episodes, I'll be sharing my experiences of having spent two years living inside of a haunted house with my family, as well as some ghost stories I've whipped up to give life back to those I encountered during my time in the house. I'm so glad you're here to listen along and hope you'll stick around to see how things pan out for me and mine. If you like the show, I hope you'll consider sharing it with your friends and family to get the word out there so the podcast can grow. I'm a one-woman show, so every like, share, and review makes my little heart go pitter-patter. It sure would mean a lot if you would take the time to give me a rating on whatever streaming service you're using to help bring new listeners to the pod. You can also find This House is Haunted podcast on Facebook and Instagram for updates and photos. Until we meet again, keep it creepy and don't go chasing any voices you hear in the night.